I mean, every time you talk about the rental market, I start to really worry for the younger generation or the new immigrants that's coming into the city. I still remember when I was renting in Vancouver, I was looking at about $1,200, $1,300 a month. And that's what the, I'm not going to expose my age, but like to say this. One group of friends to start buying, to have that trigger effect, a domino effect, it starts everybody doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we might find ourselves in a completely different situation again. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for finding us on your favorite podcast app and or YouTube. My name is Joe Lee with Faith Wilson, Christie's International Real Estate. And my name is Jeff Chan, also licensed with Faith Wilson, Christie's International Real Estate. And starting from today, we're also known as the Mike for Vancouver Real Estate. Jeff, Jeff. Hey, bro. How are you doing today, Joe? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know what's uh, funny for right off the get-go? You know, now that we are right in September and school has started, the temperature immediately drops in Vancouver to this super comfortable, like, I don't know, 18, 19, maybe the low 20s of weather in comparison to last week where I couldn't even anything with a collar on because it was so freaking hot. Yeah, I don't know how you still showed up to all these showings with a full suit on. I definitely kudos to you. You, but I agree with the temperature where it is right now. It's like perfect for me. I hear a gentle breeze coming in with the trees mm -hmm. and the leaves swaying. My younger nephew just started his first day as kindergarten at the exact same elementary school as me and my sister back in the day. Also, Starbucks has a pumpkin spice latte season now, right? For all you avid Starbucks people out there. Wait, um, seriously? But yeah, enough. Of, <laughs> I think so. I, I think, mean, I think no. that's when the fall specials come up. But enough about that, you know, our listeners didn't come here today uh, to listen to us talk about fall. Uh, however, they did come here today to listen to our fall market update for August of 2022. So continuing on from last month of July, you know, the market kind of has trended in the same direction. However, it does seem like the activity was not as bad as what Mr. Doom and Gloom Joe Lee predicted or projected in last month's podcast. And I'll let you <laughs> kind of do a deep dive of that a little bit later today. But we're also seeing some very interesting situations of what's happening in today's market. And it's starting to slowly demonstrate that maybe our market is a little bit more resilient than we originally projected. Yeah. So let's start with our usual breakdown. We're going to share some numbers and statistics with our listeners and then try to make sense of all of this and do our own take on where we think the market's going to go from there. So Joe, why don't you start with sales activity? All right. So so before I start with the sales activity, I guess I have to apologize, right, Jeff, to everybody that listened to our episode number two, where I made a bold statement saying that if everything were to remain the same, we'll probably just get somewhere around 1500 sales. And that's probably going to be one of the lowest sales that we ever had or ever recorded. Good news is that that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. For the month of August, we ended up with 1870 homes sold. That really means that the last two weeks of August has really picked up in terms of sales activity. With that being said, it is still a 40.7% decrease compared to last August, August of 2021. And it's actually a 0.9% decrease compared to July of 2022. It seems like the month-to-month -month decrease of sales activities is starting to slow down. As you remember from our last podcast, Jeff, I don't remember, but between June to July, it was a 2.2, 2 2.3% drop. And now we're only talking yeah. about a 0.9% decrease uh, in terms of sales activity. So it seems like everything is starting to pay, I, I guess, 
bottom out, I guess. Or maybe this is just an outliner. We don't know. We don't know. With 1,870 sales, I just want to, once again, pull out the chart just to quickly show you where we are at in terms of historic numbers. So I'm yeah. just going to turn. Yeah, this just on. a reminder for all our listeners who are just tuning in Spotify, Apple Music, whatever, or mm -hmm. Apple Podcasts, I should say. We do have a YouTube channel as well where we do a video recording of everything and where we share this data with you. So please head on over if you guys are interested. So as you can tell from this chart right here, we're all the way at the end over here. And as you can tell, we are the third lowest sales activities in the last 15 years, with mm -hmm. one obviously being during the Great Recession of 2008. And then we had another one that happened in August of 2012, where we got 1,645. This is obviously after, as you see, the previous three years when we had a significant spike in terms of price and in terms of activities. And then that was kind of like a little recorrection at that point. But as yeah. you can tell, once again, we are not that much better than them, which is a little bit better, uh, but we are still definitely the third lowest here. That's all I have to say so far with the sales activity. Why don't you take it away with price points? Yeah. So thank you very much for sharing that. I'm going to take over the screen sharing here. And the first thing that we're going to look at is for August of 2022, our uh, HPI price is now sitting at $1,180,500. Now, this is a 7.4% increase from August of 2021. You can see here that back then, last year, we were sitting at $1,099,400. Mm -hmm. But looking at July of 2022, we are sitting at a 2.2% decrease, like you said, compared mm -hmm. to $1,207,400. Mm -hmm. If we quickly look at the chart again, using the HPI, we're now moving beyond the January 2022 gain and slowly eating into our December of 2021 gains. Statistic that I like to look at today is the average sales price. You can see that compared to September of 2021, we're kind of slowly starting and eating into to those games. And if for our listeners who remember in our July market update, Joe was talking about how um, the July numbers was eating into our October gains from last mm -hmm. year. And now mm -hmm. you can see that in the month of August at $1,189,000, $985. Mm -hmm. We're almost eating into September where it was $1,175,590. Mm -hmm. So is this going to be a continued trend? Is September of 2022 going to eat into August of 2021 or July of 2021? We'll see. But another very important indicator that we look at when we're doing these market updates is inventory, which mm -hmm. Joe is going to cover now. That's right. I always say total inventory is a very good indication where, of what might happen to the prices going forward. And when we talk about this, this is where things really start to get quite interesting. Let's just give the numbers first. At the end of August, we're now sitting at 9,662 homes available. We have now, once mm -hmm. again, break the 10,000 uh, 10, inventory mark. With this new number, where it's an increase of 7.3% compared to last August, which is August 2021. Here, yeah. Hear me out here. It's actually a 6.1% decrease compared to last month of July 2022. That's a significant mm -hmm. amount of decrease that has happened within the span of one month. What I guess one of the things I'm seeing is the real estate board doesn't report is actually really the amount of terminated and withdrawal listings. I quickly take a look at it before the podcast. I feel like if the trend continues for next month, uh, we should probably make a chart for our listeners to take a look at. But the terminated and withdrawal listings uh, that happened in August was significant. In fact, for 
us being on the field every single day, we can actually start to see some homes that had a post and beam for sale sign outside their home. And then a couple of weeks later, you'll see that it's completely gone. And when we take a look at it on, um, on our MLS or Paragon system, and we know for a fact that it's not sold at all. Yeah, mm. definitely. There was like a couple blocks away from my house in Richmond. It had a for sale sign for about two or three months. I was like, hmm, I wonder what it's going to sell at. I think it was listed at like 1.9 or something like that. And then the other day when I drove by again, it was gone. Maybe exactly. it's time to do some door knocking. There we go. There we go. Right. So before we start to break down into all these things that we've been talking about, why don't we just conclude quickly with the sales to active ratio, Jeff? Yeah. So, you know, with a sales to active ratio, we did see that the overall sales to active ratio was sitting at 19.4% with 12.2% in detached homes, 25.3% for townhouses or half duplexes, and 24.8% for apartments. Now, Joe explained this to us last month that in our July update for a prolonged period of over under 12%, under, under, under 12%, under 12% is a buyer's market. That's and right. this is now the third or fourth month that uh, detached homes have been sitting around 12%, which mm -hmm. really does indicate that it is a buyer's market when it comes to single detached homes. Mm -hmm. And numbers don't lie, people do. And mm -hmm. so that's something definitely to remember. That's right. And that we feel that, you know, on a daily grind as well, Jeff, that apartments and townhouses seems like there's just more people wanting to look, there's just more people coming to the open houses. But for single family houses, especially in some specific regions, it's slow. That's what I'm going to say it's slow. Right. So thank you so much for that. Now, of course, now we're done with the boring part. We have passed all the numbers on to our listeners. Let's try to make sense all of all of this, like what we have discussed previously and what we could mm -hmm. be expecting going into the future. So the first thing I wanted to revisit is really the sales activity. Like I said, I projected 1500 from a last podcast. It ended up being well into the 1800. This is a very good indication of two things that the buyers are starting to pick up and that homes are indeed still moving. It's not as doom and gloom as a lot of media starts projecting out there. But there is one thing about sales activities that I must say. I would say that there would be a lot more sales that happened last month if the expectation between buyers and sellers are much closer together in terms of price. What we're experiencing, even my clients included, is that right now, because we have gone through several months of this interest rate hikes, buyers are really wanting the price for tomorrow with the interest rate hike embedded into the price point where the seller, they still want the price of yesterday, where way before the price, the interest rate hike has included uh, being embedded into the price. With these kind of two differentiations, um, such a big gap, it's very difficult right now to actually get a common ground in terms of where the accepted price should be just because one is like down here, another one is up here and you're really trying to close the gap. That's another thing is that if we have either buyer that's willing to pay a little bit more or seller that's willing to take the understanding that, hey, it is a changing market, we should be well above the 1900 homes sold. And I think every real estate agent that you can talk to can express that with difficulty with you right now, where that expectation differences is just so high. And it actually feels oh, it's getting higher and higher. A hundred percent. And it's going to take time to bridge that gap. But is there any surprise that this is happening? No, because the government's been talking about these interest rate hikes for for the last like six to nine months. Mm -hmm. So of course, naturally, any buyer is going to be like, oh, price is going to drop, price is going to drop, price is going to drop. Mm -hmm. But 
over the last nine months, we've also had a bunch of sellers, clients who were like, oh, wow, my friend just had 16 offers on their place and it's sold for 500K over asking. So with that psychology in mind, that's going to be the expectation that's stuck there. It's just going to take a little bit of time for people to adjust. And eventually, mm. I think we'll be on the same page again. You and I just went through a deal together that through the negotiation process, it was actually pretty fair. We got the apartment out in UBC at a reasonable price and the seller was happy and the buyer was happy. And ultimately, like that's the goal for both parties to be satisfied. That's right. That's right. That's right. And that is far in between right now. Let's put, just easily yeah. put it this way. And one thing that's obviously going to make this a little bit even more difficult would be the inventory level that we were talking about, how it dropped so significantly from July mm-hmm. to August. This obviously was such a significant drop. This is a really strong indication that buyers are not the only one that's doing the wait and see. The sellers are doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Let me just take a look at what's going to happen. You know, well, let me take a look at what my neighbors are selling. And then I will decide whether or not I'm okay with that sales price before I release it. Or, or some people, they just say, you know what? I don't want to be doing all these decluttering, depersonalization. And then, you know, someone is not going to be buying my home. Especially some people are still concerned about COVID. It. Yeah. Or we could say that this lack of inventory is really because a lot of people are still, well, was, now people are coming back, was still in kind of their summer vacation mode. We talked about this in the last podcast where, you know, we were making a bunch of calls and a lot of realtors, a lot of buyers, sellers, they're just not in town. And maybe they just don't want to be dealing with all of this stuff. Maybe after everything is done, the inventory might help. Just a maybe. I am starting to doubt it though. And other reason I wanted to say is once again, this really truly reminds people that Vancouver is indeed a very wealthy city to a point where a lot of sellers are truly just not panicking with the dropping of price. When we take clients out, we've been hearing this a lot is that they would rather wait until the price point comes back before they sell. But they're being very difficult or very hard on their line in terms of what is the price point that they're willing to let go. And if they don't let go, they'll just remove it. And hence that terminating or withdrawal listings numbers has definitely kind of spiked up as kind of what being telling people. This is not an anomaly. Every time the Vancouver real estate market starts to slow down, our inventory level really starts to drop. Just quickly show you a chart that I just prepared here. Mm. You will see it. It's actually quite interesting. I mean, they're really taking patience as a virtue to heart. And, mm-hmm. you know, worst case scenario, if they don't list it to sell, maybe the property is vacant. They just rent it out. Mm-hmm. Can you see my chart right now, Jeff? Yeah, we're back on Stat Center, right? Yeah, yeah. Stat Center, the total inventory. Mm-hmm. Remember the last time we had a really slow market? That was when the foreign buyer tax, the empty home tax, the speculation tax, and yep. all of that was in, uh, included, introduced. That was right here. And you can see that in Vancouver, we have our general patterns, but you can see that when the market is slow, that dip is always the lowest. And when the market is hot, that inventory actually sits at a higher range. I guess I'll put it this way. Because everyone's hearing about, oh, my friend sold it for this much. Oh, I should sell my, my place now too, so that I can capture that market too. That's right. That's right. And as you can see that we have our COVID and then all that thing. And ever since COVID has really started, we're trending down in terms of inventory. And now yeah. with the market being slow, we can expect that if everything stays as it is, then our inventory level will remain low as what you're seeing here in 2016, 2017, and 2018 levels. So that's also something quite interesting for people to kind of take a look at as well. So I'll just stop sharing there. I guess the next thing I want to really talk about as well is the lack of inventory does play a fact of 
the sales activity numbers that we are experiencing. When you have such little homes, people are not finding the homes that's suitable to them, right? Especially in this kind of rising interest rate kind of environment where a lot of buyers just like, I need to find that best one. I need to find that perfect one. I need to find that perfect one. There's going to be more coming out. Mm. I'm not in a rush. Right? I'm going to keep looking. I'm going to keep looking. So that's another reason why I think that if we have more inventory, then of course our sales activities number will be much 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 higher i have buyers that's currently like this right now they're just like i'm still looking like i'm ready i don't care about this interest rate hike i'm ready to buy my life needs to move on but joe it's been like a couple of months i just haven't been able to find the stuff that is truly mm -hmm. suitable or jives with me and i don't see more homes coming out i actually even have some buyers before the podcast that's literally panicking it's like joe what's going on why is there new no new homes coming out i'm ready to buy i have cash i have mortgage like everything is set in place i just yeah. need the stuff to start showing up that's why i would say is you know I would say that our sales activities would look a lot better if there was more inventory. But of course, mm -hmm. we're not in that kind of playing field right now, which is funny because last summer when I talked to real estate agents, what they were saying is, you know, it was like, oh, I have 16 buyers, I have 18 buyers, and there's no homes in the market. This year is funny because I talked to the same group. They're like, I have three to four buyers this year, but I still don't have anything for them to buy, mm -hmm. which is very, 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 very interesting. So of course, I know a lot of buyers especially the buyers that i'm working with they're really hoping that for the fall market to come out with some more inventory so let's talk about this let's talk about are we expecting more inventory i always like to talk to my photographer and my videographers about this i always tell them that they are kind of my a foreshadowing about what the market in terms of inventory is going to be like for the next couple of weeks in terms of there's going to be a lot of new listings or there's not going to be a lot of new listings what they have yeah. told me is that the activity has picked up so they are getting more bookings and stuff like that but however unlike last year where they were completely booked they don't have any personal time they don't have any of that stuff they still have their day off they get to still relax during the nighttime after the editing feels like yeah we're probably going to expect a little bit more homes going to the market but it's not going to be at the amount that a lot of people will be expecting or has already happened to some other major cities in north america the examples i always like to use is las vegas and tampa bay florida because their inventory is just like this no it doesn't care about summer like none of that matters the market is tanking so now they're the inventory is starting to rise like crazy i think um, you uh uh, like keeping an eye on the Las Vegas market just because you love Las Vegas. Well, no, I'm always wanting to learn about the other markets as well. So it's not just always so focused on the local market, trying to get a more of an international scope mm. of things on what's going on. That's kind of what I would say in terms of inventory. One last thing I guess I would say is that if our inventory level really does stay like this, then the price drop that we're feeling during the summertime might really start to slow down because buyers yeah. might just get really fed up and be like, okay, you know what? I'll just buy this seller. What do you want? Okay. You want this price? Oh, well, I, I can't find anything else better out there. I'll just, can we just meet in the middle, something like that. And then that's where kind of the sales activities will start to increase because the buyers are just getting so fed up. And then obviously as the buyer increases, they're buying whatever they can get, then the price drop. The this kind of makes me think is, about yeah. like, uh, when I go shopping and it's like, oh, I really want this shirt in this color and this size, but this is the last one and they don't have it in that color and they have it in a different 
different color, but it's my size. And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of, I don't really want it, but I'm here already. So I might be just forced to buy it. I'm just going to buy that shirt that's the right size, but not the color that I really want. That's right. Kind of the same idea. It's almost kind of like before when the market was super hard, people are like, ah, I'll just buy it. It's not my perfect phone, but I'm buying it because prices are just going to go up. Now it's like, I'll just buy it because there's nothing better out there for me. <laughs> 7.5 out of 10 is the best I can get. And I don't want to keep waiting. So let's just go with the 7.5 out of 10. Mm -hmm. I don't want to keep waiting for a 9 out of 10. Of course, painting a little bit into the future is, are we going to be getting more inventory coming out? I think there is one thing that would or maybe would impact kind of our inventory level going into the fall market, which really specifically for people that has variable mortgage, a lot of the variable mortgage holders has now officially kind of be hit or close to hitting their trigger rate, myself included. I actually just got a phone call three days ago. Yeah, three days ago from my banker. And she was like, hey, you know, we haven't really chatted, but we kind of need you to come to the bank. We have something to discuss with you. And then immediately the first thing I was like, I'm on my trigger rate, haven't I? Because I've been paying the same amount of mortgage, even though every single month i mean, hearing that interest rate is going up and then mm -hmm. she obviously says yeah your trigger rate is about to be here can you please come in we need to discuss about different options for you so if you are the kind of person that uh, your trigger rate has been hit and you have got that phone call from the bank, the three choices that would generally provide for you. The first one is they'll try to turn you into a fixed rate. They'll say, hey, you know what? Why don't you just lock in at a fixed rate at probably over 5% interest rate right now? And then, you know, we'll go from there. Oh, by the way, because the interest rate is so much higher, there's going to be a huge spike in terms of your monthly payment. The second option Great. they have, <laughs> Great, right? The second option they have provided for me is like, well, okay, if you don't do that, then make a lump sum payment that goes directly into the principal and not just the interest portion of things, which mm -hmm. this is actually, you know, all honesty, full disclosure, this is kind of the way that I want to be proceeding with this. And the last one they also offer is uh, switching the amortization year. In the case where you have a 20 year amortization, maybe they'll extend it to 25 years now for you. If you have a 25-year mm. amortization rate, maybe they'll extend it to 30 years for you. Just that as the payment period stretches longer, then at the same kind of payment, you are going to get a little bit more into kind of the principal and not everything kind of stack into just the interest portion of your mortgage. So of course, as you can tell, big lump payment or way higher monthly payment or choosing your amortization year, which I know most people in the greater Vancouver is already stretched between 25 to 30 years. If this is going to start to create a lot of pressure for homeowners, especially with recession being here, you know, I know politics likes to say something else, but let's just say the recession is here. If that's the case, then some homeowners, they might actually bend to the pressure and bring the unit up for sale or bring the home up for sale. This is super interesting to see because as of this recording earlier today, we were just talking about it. We're recording on September the 7th and the Bank of Canada literally just announced that our rates is going up by another point seven. 5%. This obviously mm -hmm. will continue to eat into people's purchase power. Whoever is on variable rates, this will cut into uh, their monthly payment, eating into the principal, but more, even more onto their interest portion of it. Is this going to decrease the buyer's urge of wanting to buy, this is all going to be very, very super interesting. And of course, once again, with the whole trigger rate, is this going to get people to start listing their homes just because they can't do this anymore? Possibly. Yeah. And then of course, the last thing that has very strong indication to do with the buyers out there is, is this the last interest rate hike? This is it? Is this it? Or is this it for the 
heavy interest rate hike. And what we have going forward is just your smaller ones like 0.25, 0.5 or something like that. Because I always say, yes, don't get me wrong. The interest rate hike does impact a lot of buyers and the purchasing power. But sometimes the notion of knowing the fact that there's going to be more interest rate hikes actually stops the buyer from buying more than the fact that, oh, I have to pay more monthly payments. So it's really sometimes I feel like it's the concept is they're scared of the unknown. It's impacting the market more than, oh, I actually have to pay like three to $400 more every single month or something like that. 100%. And I think definitely if for the people who are even curious about buying and you haven't talked to anybody yet, Mm -hmm. step one, go talk to your bank, talk to a mortgage specialist. Mm -hmm. That's right. So that kind of covers kind of what I wanted to say in regards to seeing these numbers and what to really expect going forward for the fall market. Yeah. So why don't you, Jeff, I know there's one more topic that we want to cover. So why don't you just take it away with that? Yeah, we'll quickly cover just an update about the rental market. And I'm going to share my screen around here again from the information given to us by Live Rent. So this is accessible to everyone because the rental market does affect the majority of the people people in this city. And it's a very interesting statistic. So this article was posted in August 3rd. So basically, it is based off of the data in July, we will have an update for you in the next month. If you take a look here, the average rent for an unfurnished one bedroom condo in Vancouver now has jumped up to $2,498 for the month of July. That is crazy to me. And a three bedroom is $4,196. A couple months ago, you could rent an entire house for that amount. So we know it's a little bit scary out there for all the renters, but you know, hang in there. Things will get better. Another interesting statistic I want to quickly go over is that West Vancouver has officially surpassed Vancouver as the most expensive city in Canada to rent a one bedroom unfurnished. And that's sitting at $2,621. And for the people who are not viewing the viewing us on YouTube, Richmond actually came in at number three ahead of Toronto by almost $500. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, every time you talk about the rental market, I start to really worry for the younger generation or the new immigrants that's coming into the city. I still remember when I was renting in Vancouver, I was looking at about $1,200, $1,300 a month. And that's what the I'm not going to expose my age, but like, just say this at about a decade ago, okay? I know for- 20 years. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but I know for a fact, the income that younger people are making now is not that much more than what I was making in my early 20s. But I cannot imagine having to pay $1,000 more every single month to pay onto my rent when I was in that stage of my life. I mean, don't get me wrong, $1,200 plus a car lease is already relatively stressful for a young 20 year old trying to survive in the city. Now with this kind of numbers, this is just really, truly daunting. It's truly daunting. Yeah. And that's why you're starting to see, you know, or hear more about people sharing a one bedroom condo between three or four people. I know I personally have heard that, but you know what? We'll see what the market brings. And Mm -hmm. we did share a lot of information with everyone today. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a very, very interesting fall market. And I Mm -hmm. cannot wait to see where it goes. But Mm -hmm. this is also kind of the time where the saying self-fulfilling prophecy in air quotes comes through. Like we always say in the greater Vancouver market, all it takes is one group of friends to start buying to have that trigger effect, domino effect. It starts everybody doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we might find ourselves in 
a completely different situation again. Right. That's right. That's so, right. hey, if you guys have any questions, comments, we'd love to hear from you. You guys know the drill. If you mm-hmm. like what we're doing here and you want to support us, give us a like, share, subscribe. And once again, my name is Jeff Chan. My name is Joe Lee. We are the Mike for Vancouver Real Estate. Thank you so much for listening to us this week. We look forward to seeing you next week with a lighter topic. Have a good one, guys. Thank you. See you later, Joe. See ya. Bye. Bye.